Hey everybody, welcome back to the Stephanie Bree Show. I am your host. My name is Stephanie Bree, and it's time for another podcast. Yay! I'm excited. Uh, I don't have a what's happening or what's new today. No, no intro. Just gonna go ahead and start the show. Uh, nothing, nothing noteworthy has happened in my life uh, since the last episode. So, you know, at least nothing that I want to talk about here. Some good things are happening in my life, in my personal life, but I don't want to talk about them on the podcast. So I'm just going to say, welcome to the show. Um, one thing I've been doing, I guess I'll give you a little intro before I get into the rest of the topics. One thing I've been doing is I've been canvassing for a political organization, voter rights advocacy. And it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. I'm learning a lot. As I go out and uh, communicate with voters, I'm learning a lot about what's important to people and how people plan on voting here in the state of Texas. Unfortunately, a lot of people want to vote in a way that doesn't support my beliefs or for candidates that I want to see win, but it is, it is what it is. Uh, and that's okay. I mean, it's not okay, but I mean, there's nothing I can do about it, really. Um, not really persuasive, unfortunately. But it, it is what it is. As far as what have I been streaming, the only thing I've streamed new this week, uh, I did watch uh, Gremlins, the original 1984 classic, uh, with my girlfriend. Uh, she hadn't seen it since she was a kid. I haven't seen it. Uh, in, in a while myself so it's one of my favorite movies I like to watch it every year at least once a year around October or Christmas time it works either way it is a horror movie but it's also a Christmas movie it's a Christmas themed horror movie hmm. I love it so we watched the gremlins and it was fun we decided uh, we didn't not, we're not going to watch Gremlins 2, at least not right away, uh, just because it's not as good and, you know. Mm. While my girlfriend does like watching movies with me, I try to pick movies that I think she'll enjoy. The rest of the time we watch sports. She picks out the sports that we watch. We watched the Raptors win their uh, season opener. So that was something that I ended up watching. Uh, the Toronto Raptors. <sighs> I got some yawning going on today. I apologize for that. All right, so let's go ahead and talk about what topics do I have coming up on the show today. Um, we're going to be talking about rooster teeth and the rooster te the recent controversy surrounding rooster teeth. We're going to be talking about Bayonetta. There's a controversy there as well. I want to talk a little bit about that. I've got my list of the Nightmare on Elm Street films, and I've ranked them in order of best to worst. So I want to go ahead and go through that list and talk about each film. I'm going to be talking about Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. <sighs> ah. 
I'm going to be talking about Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. I'm going to be sharing my thoughts on what I think about that. I'm going to be asking the question and having a discussion on a Minecraft. Is it reaching its peak or is it on the decline? I'm talking about horror video games. I have thoughts on horror video games, so that's a topic. And I'm going to be talking about the 90s alternative punk metal scene. Uh, I'm going to be talking about that a little bit. 90s alternative music, just because it's on my mind today. And should Disney be making more horror movies? I'm going to be talking about something wicked this way comes. And how they don't make a lot of horror movies, but maybe they could or possibly should. And I'm going to be comparing sci-fi or fantasy. I'm going to be talking about the two. Which ones do I prefer and why? So, so let's go ahead and get started with the rooster teeth. So here's the gist of it. Here's the controversy. Here's what's happening. Uh, a transgender employee, former employee of Rooster Teeth, has come out and released a big manifesto cataloging their experiences, her experiences with the company. And... So this trans woman basically outlined all of the abuse that she experienced working at Rooster Teeth. Now Rooster Teeth, if you don't know, they're a video production company that makes YouTube videos. Um, and so they've got quite a few shows that are uh, popular. And I'm not going to list off the shows. I don't want to give the video publicity. I don't want to give them any publicity any more than they've already gotten. But apparently they've abused this employee. They called her names. They uh, overworked her. And they just they just did a lot of bad, really shady things. They mistreated this, imper this person really bad. And then they finally left the company. And now... Uh, she's speaking out about her experiences. <sighs> I live in Texas, and Rooster Teeth is a Texas-based company. And so, I'm a trans person, and I work, I've worked in the news media business and the video production business in the past. And... The truth is, I wanted to work for Rooster Teeth. It's a job, it, I thought it would be a good job. And now, after hearing this, I don't even want to apply for jobs at Rooster Teeth. And it's disgusting. And I just, I feel bad for the employees that had to work there and that had to go through this. Now I could sit here and talk about all of the problems we have in the big tech industry, you know, there's there's a lot of sexism and misogyny in the tech industry. Uh, and apparently that was one of the things in her uh, letter, in her article she wrote, was how they told her basically to man up. And, uh, which is disgusting in and of itself. 
it sounds like management was excusing their bad behavior. Now, the company has since come out and issued some form of apology and said that they're looking into it and everything else. I don't know what else is going to happen, but uh, it's interesting. And not in a good way. I think it's sad, actually. Um, I don't really have anything else to say about it. It just it really pisses me off. And now I have another company that I used to support that I actually like their content that I have to wrestle with. Do I want to continue to support them? Or say, hey, look, they mistreat trans people. I don't want to support that company. And it sucks because they actually do produce, you know, a lot of quality content. And whenever you find somebody like this, whenever we find out somebody that you respect or that you, you, you know, you appreciate their content is disgusting, it, it really, it's really disheartening because it just goes to show how mistreated trans people are in this society that we live in. And it's really frustrating for me. It's really annoying. And I have nothing else to say about it. Moving on to another controversy, video game related, Bayonetta. So I'm just going to touch on this one because I don't want to dig too deep into it. But I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to get my thoughts out there on it. So apparently the voice actress who does, the voice actor who does the voice of Bayonetta for the first two Bayonetta games uh, has come out and said that she was offered a lowball low offer for Bayonetta 3 and based on uh, sales of the video games and residuals and everything else, she wanted more money than what they offered her. And she's come out and said a lot of bad things about uh, the company. And she's calling for a boycott of Bayonetta 3. And it's based on an allegedly low ball offer. Other people uh, in the company have come out and said that she's wrong. That, that she's misrepresenting the offer that was made and that she asked for more money than what was offered and they asked for she asked for more money than what was reasonable according to them and so on the one hand you have a discussion being had about voice actors being underpaid and mistreated on the other hand you have a discussion about celebrities We'll use that word here loosely, thinking they're worth more than they are and getting fired from a job because they want more money than they're worth. So you have, you know, you have to, you have, comp you, you want actors to be paid what they're worth, but actors also have to be willing to recognize what their value is and do the work for the, you know, you know, you have to recognize a job is a job. And sometimes you got to take a job. I'm not in a position where I can turn down jobs. 
as an artist, uh, unfortunately. <coughs> Sometimes I get lowballed, and I just have to take it. I gotta go with the punches. And that's just the way it is sometimes. Sometimes you just have to suck it up. And it sucks. Because there's a discussion to be had. Should you know, should we be treated better? Should we be paid fairly? Absolutely, we should be treated better. We should be paid fairly. Absolutely. It isn't just voice actors, it's camera operators, it's video editors, it's you know, writers. All these people are mistreated. Underpaid. As a writer, I can tell you, I don't get paid what I'm worth whenever I do writing gigs. So I don't even put in for them anymore. I don't even do freelance writing anymore because I can't get paid what I'm worth. So I, I do respect knowing when you have to say, I can't turn down a gig, but also knowing when a gig isn't worth my time. You know, so it's it's a balance. You have to know when is when is it worth your time? When is you have to value your time. You have to know how much effort am I going to put into this job and what am I going to get out of it? And if I'm not going to get out of it what I'm putting into it, then maybe it's not worth it to me. Maybe it's not worth it to to do it. Now, as far as Bayonetta itself goes, Bayonetta 3, the game, I, I, I didn't even play Bayonetta 2. I played the first one on PS3. I had the, the, the duology. Bayonetta 1 and 2 uh, bundle on the Wii U, but I never played Bayonetta 2. I just bought the game because I was collecting Wii U games, so I was going for a complete set because there's only like 165 games on the Wii U so at the time. So I thought it'd be easy, to, or physical games. I thought it would be easy to get a, a full set. That's what I was going for. At the time. Uh, my Wii U got stolen, and my financial situation changed. I had to sell my games, but I never played the game. So I can't comment on on Bayonetta 3. I'm not likely to play it. Mostly because I don't have a Switch. And I'm not likely to get a Switch. And if it doesn't come out on PS4, I'm still not likely to play it. Yeah, I just don't know. So it's worth having a discussion, and I just wanted to have a discussion, you know, just to put that out there. Because I have had to work for pennies. I've had to work for peanuts. And sometimes it sucks. But also there have been times where I've given up. I've given up on writing and photography both because... I just can't get paid what I'm worth. And so it's not it's not worth my time. So I, I pursue other avenues for revenue. And it sucks because it's like I don't get to follow my dream anymore. So I understand what that's like. I, I do. Moving on. So I like to talk about horror movies.
ahead and squeeze it in there where I feel like it might fit. But I, I separate that. It's, it's its own thing. So going down the list, I'm going to talk about each movie. I'm going to give a little backstory on, you know, my experiences with it. And just kind of go from there. So we're going to start off with number one, the original, Nightmare on Elm Street, the, re the original, the classic, 1984, the very first one. This is absolutely my favorite movie of all time, no joke, so it is definitely number one in the franchise for me. Uh, I think it's a fantastic movie, and I've got a lot of experiences with it. I have memories of watching it with friends. I have memories of watching it with girlfriends. I have experience of watching it with family members, my sister in particular, cousins. You know, it's just, it's a movie that I just, I watch a lot. It's a movie I've seen a lot. And I've watched it with a lot of people. I like to share A Nightmare on Elm Street with as many people as I can. Because I think it's a fantastic movie. So, first time I watched A Nightmare on Elm Street, I was a kid. Um, probably would have been 9 or 10 years old, most likely. I remember renting it on video cassette, and I remember watching the video, uh, renting it from the video store, and I remember watching it on video cassette. I had already seen A Nightmare on Elm Street 3. I had already seen A Nightmare on Elm Street 4. And I'd already seen A Nightmare on Elm Street 5. So I saw those three first. Um, actually, the first one I saw was 5. So I saw 5 first, and then I saw 3 and 4. And then I saw 1 and 2. And then that was the order that I watched them as they existed. And then I watched the, the rest of them as they came out. In the order that they came out. Because I was born in 1982, so I was like 2 years old when Elm Street came out. So I really wasn't old enough to be watching it when it was new. So when I was about 9 or 10 years old, I watched the first Nightmare on Elm Street, and I remember watching it with my parents, because back then they didn't care about what we watched. And they would rent horror movies all the time for us kids to enjoy, and we watched it. And uh, I remember being completely terrified of that movie. To the point where I started reading books on nightmares and dreams because I wanted to understand dreams better. I became obsessed with dreams because of that movie. To the point where I had considered going into school to study dreams. I had actually considered being a dream scientist. And whatever you call that. Whoever studies dreams. But then I, of course, I didn't. Huh? I chose to do something else with my dreams, and that is uh, use them to inspire me to write and create content, which I do. Get a lot of ideas from my dreams. Next, we have number two, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, The Dream Warriors. So this was one of the earliest ones I saw. I remember watching this one when I was probably seven or eight. I, I was living in Salina, Kansas at the time. And I remember renting it, again, from the video store. And I remember watching it. And I fell in love with it instantly. And I remember when I used to rent the video game, Nightmare on Elm Street on the NES, 
I remember thinking that this is the one that the video game was the most based on. Uh, it reminded me of the, of this video game. So I it remind the video game reminded me of this movie, I should say. And so I really fell in love with it. I remember when I was even younger, before I saw the movie, my sister told me she saw Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors, and I had not seen a Freddy Krueger movie up to this point. All I had seen was commercials and, you know, trailers on TV and commercials that featured Freddy Krueger and, you know, TV shows that referenced Freddy Krueger. So I knew of the character Freddy Krueger. He gets you in your dreams. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. You know, I knew the I knew the rhyme, I knew the the jump rope song, but I didn't I hadn't seen the movies yet. And my sister was telling me about the Dream Warriors, and I thought Dream Warriors were monsters that Freddy used. They were like his minions. Like I pictured it was a movie about his minions. So when I actually watched the movie, I was totally blown away. Now it ended up being better than I pictured it being, and. In time, I've grown to love this movie, and it's one of my favorite movies of all time. But I rank it number two. Next up, we have number three, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, The Dream Master. This is actually the first one I ever saw. This was my exposure to Nightmare on Elm Street. So it could be my favorite just because... It could have been my favorite just because it was my first. I remember we had one of those uh, free previews, one of those uh, HBO or Showtime, Cinemax, one of those free previews. And I was sitting there with my dad and we were watching you know, movies and a movie was coming on and it was playing and I didn't know what it was. It was, ju it was just playing the opening credits and I was listening to this song, Running From This Nightmare. And I got all excited. I thought, is this it? Is this a Nightmare on Elm Street? Am I finally going to get to see a Freddy Krueger movie? And when the movie started, I was like, oh my God, it's an actual Nightmare on Elm Street movie. And I was so, I was so pumped. I was so excited. And my dad just sat there and he watched the movie with me. He asked me if I'd ever seen it. And I said, no. And he's just like, well, let's watch it. And so I sat there and I watched Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master. I sat there and I watched that whole movie. And I remember the takeaway. I remember being so scared that movie was so scary i remember thinking i remember thinking oh freddie had to wear sunglasses because i thought he was like a vampire he would die because he had to come up he got you in your dreams i thought oh he wore the sunglasses because he would melt in the sun that that was my thought like he couldn't be in the sunlight and I remember being completely grossed out by the scene where he uh, sucks face with the girl and sucks her life out of her. I remember being completely grossed out by that. And I remember being pissed off, bummed, when Rick died. I was like, oh no, the ninja died. Because I thought he was so cool, the ninja warrior. I was like, oh no, that sucks. And then I started to hate Freddy because of that. So I remember being upset that Rick died and I remember learning to hate Freddy Krueger. Then I remember watching the rest of the movie and I was just like blown away by that final scene, you know, how he died. And after the movie went off, 
they had one of those because it was it was HBO or Showtime or one of those where the movie, they had the behind the scenes and they were actually showing how that was made and I thought it was so cool. I was just so blown away. It was my first experience with Nightmare on Elm Street. So part four holds a special place in my heart. Number four is Freddy versus Jason. I have a story to tell a little bit about Freddy versus Jason. So, of course it started way back when I was watching Jason Goes to Hell in the theater. And I remember the glove, the Freddy glove came out of the out of the hand, the Freddy hand came out of the sand, I should say, and pulled the Jason mask down. And I was like, oh my God, they're gonna have to make Freddy versus Jason. I didn't even know what the concept of a versus movie was back then. I just thought it would be so cool to have them in the same movie together. So the story, Freddy versus Jason, um, I remember I wanted to see this movie so bad and I was dating this girl at the time uh, who did not like horror movies. We went to the theater and we were watching the movie and she was so freaked out. She spent the whole movie with her arms, with her eyes buried in my shoulder. She just couldn't watch the movie. She was scared out of her mind. Now, by this point, I've already seen a dozen horror movies, more than a couple dozen horror movies. I'm already acclimated to it. It's hard to scare me, you know, at this point. I didn't think Freddy vs. Jason was all that scary, but my girlfriend, she thought it was terrifying. And so I remember watching it with her, and afterwards I was like, oh, hey, I'm sorry that movie scared you. I didn't think it would be that bad, you know, and she got mad at me, and you know. But then it was like, okay, you know, and then it was interesting. Freddy vs. Jason was a movie that I didn't even know I wanted until it happened. And then I was just so happy that it happened. So I definitely rank it high on the list. It's definitely one of my favorite movies of the franchise. And it really delves deep into the lore on both franchises. And I like that. It really fleshes out the backstory and uh, the mythos on these two horror franchises. Number five is the Nightmare on Elm Street Dream Child. Now, I saw Dream Child right after I saw Dream Master. So this almost became the first one that I saw. But I remember watching... After I had seen Nightmare on Elm Street 4 on uh, Cinemax or HBO or whatever it was, the free weekend, I, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 5 had just come out on video. It was brand new. It had, it had just left the theaters. And so I begged my parents to rent it. I had to see it. And so they let me rent it. And then I watched it, and then I was blown away. Again, I was a kid, and I remember watching it, and I was like, oh my god, this movie is so cool. I ended up renting A Nightmare on Elm Street 5 a lot when I was a kid. It was one of my favorite movies. I would almost always, I would go straight to the horror section and I would look for Nightmare, any of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Whichever ones they had for rent, I would rent them. Uh, sometimes I would get five just because it was familiar. Sometimes I would get four if that was the only one they had. 
And then there was that time I rented three and I was blown away. Three was good. I just remember, I miss going to the video store and just finding the movie you want. There it is. And then you just take it home and enjoy it. So I rented Nightmare on Elm Street 5 a lot when I was a kid. Some of the things that stand out in my memory from back then, I remember the the um, the part where he's uh, killing Greta and he says, you are what you eat. And I remember uh, because of that scene, my sister could not, she to this day cannot say or hear anybody say Bon Appetit because it reminds her of that scene in that movie. And I remember again, I was rooting for the comic book nerd. And I remember, I thought that sequence was so cool. I was like, hell yeah, this is so awesome. And then he killed the kid. And I was like, no, Mark, you can't die. And I was just like, oh, I was so bummed. And then I watched the rest of the movie and it was just like, it was really weird. It was really trippy. And I remember really liking it. Now, as I got older, I don't like it as much. That's why I put it at number five out of eight. You know, I don't like it as much as I used to like it when I was a kid because it doesn't hold that kind of magic. Once you've seen it a couple of times, it, you know, when it's brand new and, you, and it's your first experience with Freddy Krueger, hell yeah, this is awesome. But then once you've seen better movies in the franchise and you've experienced some really cool stuff, then it's like, okay, this is cool. Not as cool as this other stuff, though. So that's that's where I fall on that. Number six is Freddy's Revenge. This is Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. Again, this is one that when I was a kid, I hated it. Now, as a queer woman, I appreciate the queer undertones that this movie has. I really do. Don't get me wrong. This is the gay Freddy, and I am all about that. I'm all about it. Give me the gay Freddy. I'm all about it. Gay it up. Give me more gay. I'm okay with that. But when I was a kid, I hated the movie because it was so different from all the other ones. I had already seen 3, 4, and 5, and I had already seen part 1, and I remember thinking they were breaking rules with this movie. Now, you don't think, like, as a kid, you don't think that I'm watching the movies out of order. They're not breaking the rules with number 2 because they hadn't made the rules yet. They only had the first movie, and... The first movie breaks breaks its own rules. So it's kind of like, oh, shit. You know, like the part where he hangs um, Rod in the, in the prison or in the jail cell. You know, was Rod awake when that happened? Did Freddy kill him when he was awake or did he get him when he was asleep? Freddy used, you know, real world props. So did he really kill him? I mean, it's it, it's kind of like things like that. And then you get to the later films, and there's a lot of that where, you know, it's like, are they awake? Are they asleep? Yeah. The rules are kind of inconsistent. And Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, was the first one where the rules didn't make, any, didn't make a lick of sense. They just they didn't make any sense at all. It was just like, what is going on in this movie? I watch it now... And while, like I said, I can appreciate it for being the gay Freddy, I still don't like it as a movie. It still bothers me as a movie. It's not as scary as the others. It's not as good as the others. It's not as gory as the others. The music is off. It has its own musical theme, which I don't like. 
because it, it just doesn't feel like a Nightmare on Elm Street. It feels like it's just this, this weird movie with Freddy Krueger in it. Number seven is Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about this movie. I'm just going to say this. It gets a bad rep. And when it was new, I remember watching it. I remember liking it. But I also remember not liking it at the same time. I remember getting to the end of the movie and I was like, okay, parts of that were good. Parts of that were not good. And I've been conflicted with it ever since. I like some stuff in it. But there's a lot in it I don't like. So it's kind of like... does it messes with your mind would you rank them differently and what are some of your experiences what are your memories with these, with these movies about Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey. I haven't seen it yet. It's not out yet. But I'm going to watch it with my girlfriend. But I want to talk about it nonetheless. I, I saw the trailer and it's a slasher movie. I like slasher so I expect this movie to be cheesy. I expect it to be low ball, low budget. I expect it to be, you know, not good. But I'm expecting to enjoy it nonetheless. I'm hoping to enjoy it nonetheless. So, we'll see how it turns out. For those of you that are listening to this episode, I'm getting a lot of notifications. Unfortunately, there's nothing I can do about that. I use an app that... Um,
it's gonna be a good movie to go out. Alright, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this. Minecraft is the same like, it just goes on forever. And they try to keep it fresh by with with updates. So every year they come out with a big update And the last couple of And I'm watching YouTube videos, and I'm seeing a lot of people playing Minecraft. And I'm like, this is cool. Minecraft is as popular as it's ever been. But I'm wondering, is it on the down? Is it on the downward hill? Is it winding down? Is Minecraft losing its popularity? Is it losing its luster? Now I, I know a lot of people have been all, all oh, Minecraft is dead, or Minecraft is dying, or Minecraft needs to die, or it's gonna die, whatever. A lot of people are on on that train and I'm still on board I'm still on board with Minecraft I play a lot of Minecraft I, I'm still hey I haven't gotten bored with it yet I can play creative mode I can play adventure mode I can play survival mode I can play skyblock I can play one block skyblock you know I'm I'm good I'm good to go I'll start up a new skyblock I'll start a new skyblock and just start from the beginning and just play it until I get bored. I'll start a new skyblock and just play it until I get bored. And then I'm like, okay, cool. And then I'll abandon it. And then I'll start another map. And I'll play it in survival mode until I get bored. And then I'll start another map. And I'll play it until I get bored. And I do that. Yeah, I get bored a lot. But I, I love Minecraft. And I wonder, what's 1.20 going to look like? What's 1.20 going to look like? What's 1.21 going to look like? What are they going to add to the game to make it exciting again? And the thing is, I don't want them to keep adding stuff to the game, like big-ass big, big -ass updates that are going to break the game or change the game, change the way you play the game. I don't want that. 
I want new blocks. I want maybe one or two new biomes. I want some new mobs. But I don't. I am sick and tired of them breaking the game every time they come out with a big update. It's like, oh, here's all this new stuff that changes the way changes the way the game is played. You know. And I wonder, are other people getting sick of it as well? Are people like, you know, hey, just like stop breaking the game? Especially like people who get into redstone stuff. It's like they, they get these, these big redstone contraptions in their worlds. And then they make an update where redstone doesn't work the way it used to. Or some block doesn't function the way it used to. And now that redstone contraption just don't work anymore. And then it breaks your game. They don't... They don't really think about that. You know, the creators. They've already got your money. They're trying to keep people playing the game because that's how they can make more money. But I just wonder, has it reached its peak? I don't know. Moving on. Speaking of video games... I want to talk about horror video games. I want to share my thoughts on horror video games. So, somebody brought it to my attention. I was talking about Silent Hill. We were having a discussion about Silent Hill. And I said, I just don't really like horror games. And this person was all like, but you're all about horror. You love horror. And I do. I love horror. And I, and I thought about that. And I do like some horror video games. But then I realized what it is I don't like. And so I wanted to talk about that a little bit. The difference between theme and atmosphere. So I know that it's a subtle difference. Theme is a hor is 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 a video game. It can be anything. It can be a racing game. It can be an action adventure game. It can be a slasher, a hack and slash. It can be a beat 'em up. It can be a fighting game. The theme is a fighting game. A horror theme is when you know it's not really a horror game, but it's a horror theme. You know. Like for example, uh, for example, I'd use uh, Ghosts and Goblins as an example. That's not really a horror game. It's a side-scrolling adventure game. It's a side scroll. It's a platformer, basically, plain and simple. But it's a horror theme. You know, kind of like Splatterhouse. Splatterhouse is just a beat 'em up. It's a it's a hack and slash. It's just a regular beat 'em up. You know. Just your your brawler, standard brawler, but it's a horror theme. It, it's it's it uses horror imagery, so it's still a horror game, but it's not a horror game, technically. You know, it is and it is. It's like it looks like horror, it sounds like horror, but it doesn't play like horror. It's not it's not out there to scare you. You know, and then you have atmosphere. This is where the game feels like a horror movie this is silent hill this is resident evil this is you know alone in the dark games like that games that are like the whole atmosphere the whole point of the game is to feel like you're inside a horror movie to make you shit your pants this it's to scare the the scare the stuffing out of you that's the whole point to the game and that's the difference. I like horror-themed video games. I don't like horror-atmosphere video games. And that's the difference. I don't like video games where... I don't like scary games. I don't like games where the whole point is to scare you. Where you're the victim. You're in the survival. 
and when you die in the game, it feels like, oh no, you're dying. These scares are happening to you. I like horror movies because they're passive. You know, you're watching the main character and all their friends go through this ordeal. But at the end of the day, you're just watching people. You're not really experiencing it. You're not seeing the world through, you're seeing the world through their eyes, but you're not experiencing it. The video game, it's interactive. You're the player. You're the character. This isn't happening to a character you're watching. It's happening to you, a character you're controlling, an avatar of yours, an extension of you. It's happening to you. When you die in Resident Evil, you die. When you die in Friday the 13th, the video game, and I'm talking about the NES game here. No, it's just a character that died because it's just another, it's just another action adventure game. It's another Zelda clone. It's not a very good one, but you know, it's just another action adventure game, another platformer. Again, it's not a very good one, but of course, you know, that's another horror game. So there are horror games I like, and there are horror games I don't like, and the ones that make you feel like you're in a horror movie. The ones that scare the living snot out of you. Those are the ones I don't like. Because I don't like to be... I, mean, I don't want to say I don't like to be scared. I don't mind being scared. I'll watch a scary movie. But I don't like to be interactive. I don't like to be the one being scared. I don't like to be the one being killed. Being hunted. Being chased. Being eaten by the zombies. Being possessed by the ghost. You know? Well, I do like some horror games. I love Castlevania, that's a horror game. I like the Castlevania franchise. That is very much horror. And there's some atmosphere in those in the themes. There's some crossover between atmosphere and theme too. There are some games that don't have the atmosphere, but they've got the theme. A good example that has both is Diablo. Diablo, I love Diablo. Now that's a scary game. But I'll play it. And I'll play it even though it's a horror game. It's also a role-playing game. So it's like a role-playing game with horror elements, right? Horror theme. But it's got the atmosphere too. It puts you in the in the scary part. But I'll still play it. I like it. It's got the gameplay I want. And I think it comes down to gameplay too. I don't like survival horror. I don't like survival horror. I don't like Alone in the Dark. I don't like Resident Evil. I don't like, you know, I don't like Silent Hill. Those are the games I don't like. Those are the ones I don't play. I'll play House of the Dead. But House of the Dead, it's like, it's a shooter game. It's a light gun game. It's an action arcade game. It's a light, it's a light game. Quick, easy, breezy, you're done. In and out, you're done. Straight up. You know, not not a whole lot there. Alright, I want to talk about music. I don't talk about music a lot on this show. So I don't talk a lot about music on this show, but sometimes I get in a mood where I want to talk about music. Today I want to talk about punk metal. 90s alternative. Some people call it grunge. Some people call it just alternative rock or alt rock. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because I say that a lot. 
I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but I want to just get a couple of thoughts of mine off, off my chest. I like punk rock music. I like some metal music. And I love the horror theme stuff. I love gothic rock and emo rock. Some of it. Some of the emo rock. Not a big fan of all the emo stuff, but if it's got a gothic theme to it or if it's got a horror theme to it, I'm in. I'm down. Give me some Alice Cooper. I'm all right with that. You know, I'll take some Marilyn Manson. Give me some good spooky kids. I like a good horror, a good horror theme band. Ozzy Osbourne, he's got some good horror stuff. You know, I'll take it. Iron Maiden, they've got some good horror stuff. Listening to an Iron Maiden album is like watching a horror movie. Or like listening to the soundtrack to a horror movie. But the 90s, the music changed. I mean, we still had some metal. We still had some goth. We still had some punk, you know? But the, the punk metal scene, Nirvana, Alice in Chains, the Goo Goo Dolls, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, this was a more down-to-earth scene. This was a more earthly scene. They didn't have that horror atmosphere. They weren't singing about the devil. They weren't singing about witchcraft. They weren't singing about werewolves and vampires and being a bloodthirsty horn dog. They were just singing about life and stuff. And I think when I get down to the core of it, that's why I don't like the punk metal of the 90s. That's why I don't like 90s alternative. I like 90s alternative, but I don't like the alt rock. You know, and I think that's one of the reasons I don't like it. I like the alternative stuff like Beck. I like Cake, you know? I like that the weird stuff, you know? Like Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Give me some Ska, you know? You know, I'll listen to some No Doubt. I'll listen to some No Doubt. Give me some garbage. I'll play, you know, you know what I'll play? I'll play some uh, Smash Mouth, you know? I'll play some Smash Mouth. But I don't like the grunge. And and I think the reason why I don't like it is because it's too realistic. It's too serious. It's too down to earth. And I don't like that. It's not artistic for me. Artsy enough, you know? It's like it's not... There's no atmosphere. There's no theme. There's no tone. It's just life sucks and what are we going to do about it? And that's what they're singing about. Life sucks. What are we going to do about it? And then he kills himself. You know, how is that metal? It's just, it's just this whole theme. I just don't understand it. To this day, I just don't understand it. No one can explain it to me. Why do we want serious fucking music? Metal is supposed to be atmosphere. Metal is supposed to be raw. It's supposed to be vampires and werewolves. It's not supposed to be, you know... Horny teenagers. Well, I mean, yeah, there's horny teenagers, but it's like, I mean, it's like they're supposed to be like metaphors, you know, werewolves and vampires. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you know? That's what it's supposed to be. Nirvana, they're all, I had a bad day at school, I'm bummed. La dee da. Give me a gun. 
<sighs> I just don't get it. The whole 90s punk metal scene, the whole grunge scene, the whole alt-rock scene, whatever you want to call it. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. And I'm not asking someone to explain it to me because I don't want to get it. I just want it to go away. I'm so sick of 90s alt-rock. I can't stand it. Should Disney be making horror movies? So this has come to my attention. Disney made a movie. It's a scary movie. It's called Sometimes, or it's called Something Wicked This Way Comes. Something Wicked This Way Comes. This is a scary movie from my childhood. Late 80s, mid 80s, I'd say early or mid late, mid 80s, somewhere in there. This movie came out. It's about this possessed carnival that comes to town. And it just wreaks havoc on this town. And there's this one boy who, who figures it all out. And he, um, I guess, survives somehow. Survives all the horrors. And this got me thinking, you know, they just did Hocus Pocus too, you know. And that's definitely a comedy. Now, if you wanted to stretch it out, you could call it a horror comedy. This is definitely a kid's movie. It's a comedy. But it's in the horror ballpark. And it's almost like, you know, Disney did Pirates of the Caribbean, which is definitely Black, Curse of the Black Pearl. That's a horror movie, whether you like it or not. That's a horror movie. That is a straight up horror movie. Dead Man's Chest, same thing. At World's End, same thing. On Stranger Tides, I don't know so much. Yeah, they're also action adventure movies too. They're blockbusters. But they had that horror touch, you know? Hocus Pocus, Hocus Pocus 2, they have the horror touch. You know, they're kind of kind of in the ballpark, in the family, but they're not really horror horror. You know, but Disney has done some PG-13 stuff. They've done some scary stuff. And it makes me wonder, could they do more horror? Should they do more horror? Should they do more scary movies? I don't know. Here's the, here's the reason why I'm thinking about that. You've got this company making this movie, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, Right? And there's some concern that it might muddy the waters for Winnie the Pooh. Disney. Disney the Pooh. We're going to call it Disney the Pooh for right now. And uh, Disney Pooh, well, you know, it's all happy-go-lucky, right? So I'm not saying Disney should, like, get in on, cash in on this blood and honey. But I'm saying maybe they should cash in on, you know, the, the success of Hocus Pocus 2. Maybe they should, you know, cash in on the controversy of Blood and Honey, maybe they should say, look, look, here's the thing. Let's make our own scary movies. You know, we can make, you know, Haunted Mansion, but we can make it a comedy or we can make it like a scary movie. You know, we can make scary movies too. And I think Disney should be making scary movies. Not just through 20th Century Fox either. I mean, I'm talking Disney Pictures. I'm talking, you know, they made a horror movie. Look, I'm going to tell you straight up. Multiverse of Madness, that's a horror movie. That is a straight-up horror movie. That's that's not a superhero flick at all. That is straight-up horror. That was that was good to go. I was good to go watching that movie. Hell yeah. I was all down with that. So they can make horror movies. They can. They know they can. I think they should. I think they should make a few more than they do. 
last topic of the day, sci-fi or fantasy. I think I'm going to save that for another day. I think I'm going to wrap this show up. You know, I don't know if I want to get into it. Maybe that could be a whole show. I mean, just split it down the middle and just talk about sci-fi stuff and fantasy stuff. I love it all. <sighs> all right. That's all I have for today. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you want to support this show, please go to patreon.com slash stephaniebree. That's B-R-I. If you want to uh, connect with me on social media, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, it's stephaniebree22. That's the number 22. And it's, again, B-R-I, Stephanie Bree. Thanks for listening. Stay cool.